This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. Welcome star talk your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide star talk begins right now welcome to star talk radio i'm your host neil degrasse tyson astrophysicist and director of new york city's hayden planetarium at the american museum of natural history in this episode of star talk we're featuring a conversation with the award-winning actor morgan freeman he came to my office at the Hayden Planetarium, and we chatted about his interest in science and space exploration. In fact, after we recorded this interview, we headed down to the radio studio for a Star Talk episode where we talked about his Science Channel TV series, Through the Wormhole. So you'll want to check out that show on our website's archive, www.startalkradio.net. Morgan Freeman's Through the Wormhole series tackles some of the most intriguing questions in science today, including the birth of the universe, the origin of life on Earth, the question of alien life, and the deep mystery of dark matter. Morgan Freeman is not only one of the most popular actors in Hollywood today, he's received Academy Award nominations for his performances in Street Smart, Driving Miss Daisy, The Shawshank Redemption, and Invictus. He won an Oscar in 2005 for Million Dollar Baby, and he's also won a Golden Globe Award and a Screen Actors Guild Award. His other popular films include Unforgiven, Glory, Seven, my favorite, Deep Impact, Bruce Almighty, where, of course, he plays God, Batman Begins, The Bucket List, it goes on and on. So I had to ask him about the many characters he's portrayed over his career and what role science has played in his life. Morgan, you played God twice. You played the president twice. One for the United States and in South Africa. You played a chauffeur and a convicted murderer. You know, I could barely eke out my one cameo appearance, and I was playing myself. <laughs> so what does it take to have that kind of breadth as an actor? Because I don't know anyone who, who could rack up that kind of resume. 
you're asking me to pat myself on the back here, Neil. <laughs> I'll admit to having been born with a specific talent, not yours. If I had your mind, I wouldn't be doing this. No, we'd send you back because we need <laughs> you out there. Because <laughs> I think your president was the best president I've ever seen. As the bombs shattered the second comet into a million pieces of ice and rock that burned harmlessly in our atmosphere and lit up the sky for an hour, still we were left with the devastation of the first. The waters reached as far inland as the Ohio and Tennessee valleys. It washed away farms and towns forests and skyscrapers but the water receded the wave hit Europe and Africa too millions were lost countless more left homeless but the waters receded cities fall but they are rebuilt and heroes die but they are remembered we honor them with every brick we lay with every field we sow with every child we comfort and then teach to rejoice in what we have been re-given our planet our home You know you're saying that because you're like me. <laughs> wait, wait, you said you're born to it. That meant as a kid, you had some foresight some, that you'd land this way? I Don't had, tell me you were kids. I'm going to play God one day. No, 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 no. I was a kid that says I want to be an actor. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an actor. I am an actor. I would tell kids now when I'm talking about them, you know, they said, well, what are you going to do when you grow up? I want to be an actor. I said, well, you know, you are an actor. Okay, okay. So that's as good an answer as I can give you concerning. Yeah, but but there are thousand actors who are waiting tables now, and so some of them pull this off, and others don't. So I'm just saying, you played God, and they came back for more. So you're really him, aren't you? You want more proof? I haven't done the pillow of salt thing in a while. That's all right. I believe you. I just I don't understand why you chose me. You want to change the world, son. So do I. What? Why an ark? I mean, that's like flood territory. You wouldn't do that again. You wouldn't do that. Would you do that? Let's just say that whatever I do, I do because I love you. Well, then you have to understand that this whole building an ark thing is really not part of my plans here. I need to settle into my house. I need to make a good impression at work. <laughs> What? Your plans. <laughs> what are you talking? I'm, we're talking about an ark, right? I mean, an ark? An ark is huge. I don't even know where I would begin. Well, I hear that a lot. People want to change the world, don't know how to begin. You want to know how to change the world, son? One act of random kindness at a time. From the highest levels of society to the lowest, you are portraying these characters convincingly, compellingly, with warmth, with compassion. Can somebody learn learn that? 
No, I don't think so. It's like art. I don't think acting is an art, but it's like art. You can teach painting. The mechanics of it. The mechanics of it, but you cannot teach art. You can't teach about it to do Starry Night. Van Gogh's Starry Night. Yeah. I can look at it now and I can do it line for line, but I can never dream it up. Okay, so in the purest form of art, that's got to come from someplace deep within that no one can teach you. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that acting is an art. I don't think it's an art. It's just a talent. You know, I get into discussion with people about my art. And it's, well, I think to be an artist, you have to start with nothing. And no actor does that. We always start with a script. That's somebody oh. else's art. By the way, that's a humble point of view because most actors, they see themselves as the thing. When somebody actually thought up the movie, thought up the script, wrote the words down, but it is curious that we live in a society where the person who portrays the art is the one who gets all the fame and glory. That's <laughs> the nature of the beast. <laughs> so I think we have to disclaim artistry as it is, you know. I'm an artist's son. Okay. But nonetheless, some are better than others. That's all I'm saying. Oh, wow. And I got a good one sitting next to me right now. That's Thank all I'm much. saying. I appreciate that. <laughs> I like you, too. All right. So, you know, I always ask... What role did science play when you were a kid? Did you have good science teachers? Did you like I it? I think or? I probably had great science teachers, but let's go back to your original question. What were you going to be when you were a kid? This is the annoying question adults always ask kids. It was what never going to be a scientist. In your life? In my life. It was mm -hmm. never going to be a scientist. That's right. For me, it was since I was nine, I was given that answer. Yeah. And they said, oh, we're going to be when you grow up. I said, astrophysicist. And then they walk away. Right. <laughs> Stop the conversation. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. right. But okay, I think you have some sensitivity to science that most people don't. And I'm just trying to probe that. I've always been more interested in astrophysics than in the science of biology. And you're not uh, just saying that because you're sitting in my office here at the Hayden Planetarium. Well, well kind of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no. <laughs> so the universe caught your fancy, you're saying? The idea of physics, just physics. I was in a school for a very few minutes in Nashville, Pearl High School, and there I had a physics class. And I remember being very excited in that class. I was an A student. Give me a test and I'd make a C, but in everyday classwork. You were feeling the physics. I was what feeling you the physics, yeah. Feeling I had all these questions. And every time I'd ask a question, I'd get an A. Uh, in everyday class activity, I was doing great. And I think I was doing great because I always had these questions. I still have them. You were cosmically curious. Cosmically curious. So I read the cosmos. Cosmos. Carl Sagan's cosmos. Carl Sagan, yeah. I mean, he just completely galvanized me. Okay, but you were a kid before that book came out. I'm pretty uh, yeah, sure yeah, that. No, no, okay. no. I was, I was in my 20s or 30s when I read mm -hmm. Cosmos. I can't remember. Uh -huh. uh, maybe my 40s or 50s. Well, so that's interesting because Cosmos treated science differently from other books. It looked at science as a, as a human activity that could stimulate your soul of curiosity. Well, it certainly stimulated mine. And the idea of looking deep into space, looking into the cosmos, having some understanding of distances and numbers, the next thing you start doing is wondering, is there a reason for us to care? What You're asking, what does it all mean? Yeah, what does it all mean? Why do we care? You look up there and you think, well, it's just up there. And then you get some smattering of knowledge that the nearest star is about eight light years away, something like that. Well, you got Alpha Centauri, that system. That's four light years away. That's four the closest, light years. Yeah, from the sun. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So 186,000 miles per second. Yeah, you multiply that out, it's staggering. Yeah. Exactly. It's, so, it's 6 trillion miles per light year times 4, times 24 trillion miles away. And so can you even contemplate going there? Forget, say, the galaxy. Right, just the nearest, the neighbor, just, backyard. Just backyard. Backyard. Just, you know, yeah. Just to clarify, so you're saying as a kid you had a curiosity, but it didn't really become philosophical to you until after Cosmos. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. But you were primed to receive it. I was it. primed to receive it, All yes. right, okay, because you were physics-friendly before then. Right. All right. Now, here's another realization, though. I think that anything humankind can imagine, they can do. All right. And so how have you brought this to bear on your life? It's the stuff you've imagined that yeah. you, you want to make you happen? Ha ask yourself, why are you sitting here as an astrophysicist, as a very well-known and accepted astrophysicist? How did you manage that from nine years old? I, I imagined it. You imagined it. I ima but I didn't imagine that I would stop the rotation of the Earth or reverse time. I mean, I was kind of sensible, I think, about what the stuff I was imagining. So I would modify the word not Anything you can imagine. I think anything you can imagine doing, you can do. What did Archimedes say? This Give me a place to stand. Give me an, uh, a lever and a fulcrum mm -hmm. and a place to stand. And, and I can move the earth. That's what he said. Well, it's true. So that's actually good sort of philosophy of life if you have high ambitions. Yeah, have them. Have them. Because if you, if you can imagine it, you can do it. In one hour. You are going to take an exam administered by the state to test your basic skills and the quality of education at Eastside High. And I want to tell you what the people out there are saying about you and what they think about your chances. They say you are inferior. You cannot learn. You're lost. I mean all of you. Are you getting my point, people? Yeah. Is it beginning to sink in? Yeah. We sink, we swim, we rise, we fall, we meet our fate together. Yeah. And now I've got a message for those people out there who've abandoned you and written you off. You are not inferior. Your school may have been, but you can turn that around and make liars out of those in exactly one hour and you take that test and pass it and win. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. 
see what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. In this episode of Star Talk, we're featuring a conversation with the award-winning actor Morgan Freeman. In this part of the interview, we talked about the many movies he's appeared in over the years in which science is celebrated and the dramatic potential that science-themed plots can offer. So let's get to your movie career. Uh, um, forgive me for leaving out the ones where science was not a theme. Starting off, you narrated... Cosmic Voyage, the IMAX film, which was produced by some of my very closest colleagues. Really? And that was my first time hearing you as a voice, by the way. And that was 1996 or 7, I think it was. The late 1990s. Oh, you didn't see the Shawshank Redemption? Well, yes, you were the voice of that, but I think of you as an actor of that, not the narrator. But yes, of, I cor see, of I course see, you narrated that. Right. No, you get a pass. That's all right. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> let me slide on that one. <laughs> so that was the first time I heard what your voice could do in that context and it looked like a perfect match you know your voice and the universe and uh, IMAX was of course the, the IMAX you like me you like me <laughs> since the universe is a big place we could easily get lost so we'll need signposts to give us a sense of scale the acrobat's ring is one meter wide the crowd is ten times wider ten meters across larger by one power of ten now with every step, every ring, we travel ten times farther from Venice, and our view of the universe is ten times wider. The 100-meter ring surrounds St. Mark's, and 1,000 meters, one kilometer, the city center. As our speed increases, four steps, four powers of ten, reveal all the islands of Venice, the Adriatic Sea, and the mainland of northern Italy. Six steps take in Europe from central Germany across Italy to the Balkans. And soon, we can see the entire planet, our home in space. Eight steps on our outward journey, eight powers of ten, and we pass the farthest reaches of human travel, the moon. If we visualize the path that the nine planets take in their orbits around the sun, at 13 steps from St. Mark's Square, the entire solar system comes into view. And with 15 steps, 15 powers of 10, we can see that our sun is just another star. From here on, our void will be measured in light years. 
the distance light travels in an entire year. Only now do we fly past our nearest neighbor stars, almost five light years away. The same journey at the speed of today's spacecraft would last 100,000 years. <laughs> so Cosmic Voyage was like a kind of an IMAX version of the powers of 10 journey, yeah. where you zoom out from Earth to the edge of the universe mm -hmm. and then back down to the center of an atom. So good choice. I'm happy they found you for that. Of course, you did March of the Penguins, which has, that's science. We'll take it as science, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's science. Biology. Yeah, bio, yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. ecology. You know, we'll, we'll yeah. give you that. I really I, like I, that one, though. I, just, I really liked it. Yeah. yeah you know, amazing. I think at the time I was penguined out, you know, because I saw Happy Feet. And I, I, there was, how many penguins can a man take? Yeah. And I just, I had to, like, put a hold on my penguin viewing okay. for a while there. All right. Just, you know, no offense. I'm just saying. Hey, I, I'm not a penguin. <laughs> 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 and then you did some environmental clips, like uh, One Earth, I think, was one of them. And so, so you're a man about science, I think. I mean, we'll, we'll claim you, whether or not that's deep within you, whether or not it was just your next gig. I'll take it because okay. I think it's okay. important to have at least that association. Well, I, you know, I, I don't claim to have any knowledge towards scientific anything. Except that you you were in outbreak. You, I remember that movie with that Ebola like virus that was yeah. that was killing people yeah, in sex. Yeah, you were in chain reaction. Next you were gig. in deep impact. My next gig. You were in Batman Begins. My as next the, gig. The tech guy. My next gig. Well, but not everybody has next gigs that celebrate science the way these films do. Well, see, you're just putting you're just putting dots together. When oh, false pattern recognition. Yeah. That's a crime of the analysis of data. You're, yeah. you're, you, you, that's what I'm doing, you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so I will ignore what you said, that okay. it's just an accident that you <laughs> line these movies up. I want to connect my own damn dots and say these, it, it, I'm going to say it's not a coincidence that you're in more science movies than other actors are. If I try to find, you know, you know how many science movies has Sean Connery been in? Or... You know, right, or Robert De Niro. Doctor on the Amazon. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. They're, they're searching for cancer yeah. in that. Okay, well, yeah, he's got one. How about Robert De Niro? Uh, no. No. No, no, no. He was in, uh, he, he was this guy who was in a coma. Not a coma, coma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking about awakenings. Awakening. So, whether or not it was just your next gig, I have to say, I enjoyed all of the science movies you've been in especially Deep Impact with the asteroid strike because mm. we know these things are out there and yeah, so yeah. it's yeah. not just oh here's a science fiction movie it's like there's some real stuff going on here and it's a wake up call a shot across our bow if you will yeah. and I gotta say I, I enjoyed you as the tech dude in Lucius, it, it, Lucius yeah. for Wayne Industries supplying Batman with his bulletproof cape and his all the doodads who, who doesn't love the doodads yeah. so those are I'm just saying those are all convincing and meaningful roles and I'm would take you as a science geek, honorary science geek, for those roles in those films. Oh, hey. Will, will you I'll accept, buy that. I'll you'll accept it. I accept it. I accept it. take the honor. An honorary geek. <laughs> it's that not quite guy. like knighthood, but it's best we can do for you in America. I <laughs> listen. I'm on it. <laughs> so let me ask, as an actor, do you think science makes compelling drama? Do you think? Absolutely. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I think some of our most compelling dramas have been around science. Uh, uh, well, that's, I'm glad you feel that way because I think there's many more science stories to tell. Oh, heavens, there are. I'm tired of law dramas and cop dramas. I'm sorry. I'm tired, you know, 
the world is, how many more lawyer stories can you give us? Well, I'm with you. Yeah. I think we can go into more science-based drama, even comedy. I mean, you're funny. <laughs> no, the universe is funny. I just reveal that fact. Okay. <laughs> well, people have to know a little bit about science before they can get it. And if we don't talk about it, they never will. They never will. That's deep. And that's the challenge that lay before us all. Well. Be we artists or scientists. Let us step up to it. So that's great that you agree that science can make compelling drama. Could you give a really good example? Yeah. I read uh, Michael Crichton's book, The Andromeda Strain. Oh, that was, oh, man. That I read that. Awesome. I was, I was struck by that book. Really? Yes. So I read it, it when it came out. It was back in it, the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But here, in my estimation, is a way to ask scientific questions and then pose answers in very dramatic you could do a science series a drama series based strictly on science mm, which hasn't been done yet not quite no it has I mean, not uh, yeah. crime scene investigations are closest thing to it yeah yeah you know, yeah and bones and it's a testament to what you're saying how successful that series has been i mean it's right. still going strong and it's in multi it's in different cities and what helps I think make the science meaningful is that they've embedded it in a social, cultural context. Yeah, exactly. And so and people have ways, they have access points. You could do the exact same thing with science, with deep science, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, astrophysics would be oh, awesome. So you're titillated by this. I am titillated by well, it. Well, good to The amount of science that you can expose young people to by doing this kind of stuff is amazing. So of your catalog of movies yeah. that had science themes, yeah. are there any one of them that triggered you to think more deeply about that particular topic? Like, after Deep Impact, were you saying, gee, let me read up on these asteroids, see how true this script is? Uh, no. I, I read Rendezvous with Rama back in the 60s. That's when I saw <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Oh, so you, you didn't need... Deep impact to set, set you off on asteroids. No, you were way. You go way. You and asteroid go way back. Way back. Yeah, because this was an asteroid that hit Italy, and Italy was no more. Mm -hmm. When you have a major catastrophe like that, that's probably the only time that the world coalesces. Yes, where all differences are forgotten yeah, because you have a common enemy. We have a common enemy in this space. So, in, in Batman Begins, when you were tech dude, do you, did you think, gee, I want one of these. I want a few of these, actually, and I want to live like this, and I want... Did you have any of these thoughts? <laughs> no. No. That was a silent no. Yeah, uh, no, no let no. the radio audience know that he, he, he quietly shook his head. Lips pursed, <laughs> head shaking. So, that means you are drawing the line between science fiction and real life. No. I draw a line between science fantasy and real life. Ooh, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> no mech survival suit for advanced infantry. Kevlar bi-weave, reinforced joints. Terror resistant. This sucker will stop a knife. Bulletproof. Anything but a straight shot. Why didn't they put it into production? Being counters didn't think a soldier's life was worth 300 grand. So, what's your interest in it, Mr. Wing? I want to borrow it for uh, spelunking. Spelunking. Yeah, you know, cave diving. You're expecting to run into much gunfire in these caves? When Star Talk Radio continues, we'll have more of my conversation with the award-winning actor, Morgan Freeman.
Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. In this episode of Star Talk, we're featuring a conversation with the award-winning actor Morgan Freeman. Many people might not realize that, in addition to being a famous actor, he's an airplane pilot. And so I had to ask him what led him to take flight and how far that ambition has gotten him. You've become an aviator in later years. Yeah. That seems like you don't want gravity to keep you on Earth. <laughs> this is what that is to me. That's what that sounds <laughs> is like that to me. that what it sounds like to you? <laughs> it's like I'm tired of Earth. Get me, get me the hell off the Earth's surface. I always wanted to fly. I always had flying dreams. I have falling dreams where I never hit the ground. I leveled off. And what does Freud say about that? I don't know. Did he talk to you about it? <laughs> 15 seconds! No, no, wait, wait! I can't do this! Sure you can! No! I can't! Really? It's not the jump you're afraid of! The hell is not! You're just afraid your chute won't open! And you'll show up at your own funeral as a dead omelet! No, I'm pretty much just worried the chute won't open! No, no! Man's got some lungs! Let's hit the seal! Oh, so you're falling, but then you level off. Yeah. I oh, no, yeah, that, that's different. Yeah. That means you grew wings. I didn't grow wings. I just grew the power of flight. Okay. No wings, no, okay. no angel stuff at all. Oh, no, yeah, you just, just leveled you know, off. Just pulled myself up. So I, I wanted to fly from early on, and then I realized that wanting to fly jet planes and be a fighter pilot was all movie romance. Mm-hmm. So many years later, though, I, I had a chance to learn how to fly. How old were you when you learned how to fly? Sixty-five, about. Man. And, and you, you own some planes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three planes. Three planes? Four planes. What does one plane do that the other doesn't? Don't they all fly? <laughs> they all fly. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, is that a stupid question? The, the latest one, the, the latest one I have, flies. Are you going to show me a picture on your BlackBerry here? Yeah. Ooh, that's sweet. Yeah. She Ooh. flies better than anything in her class. That's yeah. a sweet looking jet. It's a Swearingen SJ-30. I say that again, eh? Swearingen. Uh-huh. SJ30. SJ30. Right. Okay. Sounds fast. <laughs> it is fast. <laughs> okay. And I, I've been buying airplanes after I came to the conclusion that I could no longer fly commercial. It just got to be, mm-hmm. you know, oh my mm-hmm. God, look who's here. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's so. Maybe um, the celebrity prevented it, yeah. is what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I bought fractional ownerships in, in these companies. And that turned out to be expensive. So remind me how this works. You are a participant in the total ownership of a fleet of planes. Right. And the plane comes available it, to you when you need it. It's like a taxi. Yeah, exactly. It's always one at my beck and call. It's not like I call and they say, oh, we don't have anything available. Okay. They come get you. They come get you. But it's expensive. You're paying. It depends how well you did in the last movie. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that, that too. Because okay. I have to remind myself so, that actors don't have steady jobs. They go movie to movie, and you got to budget that stuff out. When I first started working, I get a job on stage, and I think, oh, man, now I can, I can go out and buy a suit of clothes. And I can get caught up in all my rent. And you do that, and you realize that 
oh, wait a minute, they just announced that the play is closing. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so I I don't want to ever lose sensitivity to that. Right. I I have a steady gig, right. Right. Uh, That's how you (laughs) sometimes get trapped in a steady job, too. I was like, (laughs) how long have you been doing this show? Oh, that's right. Yeah, then you don't grow. You don't grow. Yeah, so what a delicate line that is to walk. It is a very fine line to walk. Okay, so you need the money to, to keep this access to planes. Then what happened? Well, when I learned how to fly, I just went out and bought my own airplane and realized that, okay, I got my own airplane. I can go anywhere I want to go. But I couldn't get there in reasonable time. So I had to buy a more airplane. <laughs> a better airplane. A better airplane. Mm-hmm. So then that turned out to be not possible either. I bought a twin engine. I bought into a twin engine airplane a small twin-engine Seneca, and flew it to California from Mississippi. Took two days. Two days? Two days. <laughs> so, so this won't do. You can get through security usually sooner than two days uh, at yeah. an irregular right. airport. Right. <laughs> but so it, it bought a bigger, it's a bigger twin-engine, uh, piston-driven aircraft, mm-hmm. and that cut the flying time down dramatically, but it still took nine hours. Mm-hmm. That feels like Lindbergh, you know, yeah, if you're on a plane yeah. for half a day, you know. Well, that's a yeah, where you stop for fuel, this is the main thing. Wouldn't that be cool if you had mid-air fueling for private jets? Oh, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> wouldn't that? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so then I said, okay, this won't do, and I and so I bought a jet. There you go. Uh, okay. And that cut three hours off flying time, I think, mm-hmm. but still six hours. Yeah. So I'm starting to worry about blood clots in my legs and stuff, you know. Sitting, mm, sitting that long, yeah, yeah. So I bought a little bigger jet. And still, I had to stop the fuel. So then this plane, uh, I got wind of it. This beautiful one you just showed yeah, me on your BlackBerry. I got wind of it. I, I so that's your, that's your baby. That's then. my baby. That's yeah. your baby. So for you to want to be in control of your movement and yeah. motion through space and time, yeah. do you ever dream about commanding a starship? You've got some time on your hands. I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> so uh, the answer is yes. Apparently. Okay. Okay. Yes, I've dreamed. Yes, you dream about it, and yes, uh, you know, it's I, just. I'm gonna tell you why. Okay. We have access to Arthur C. Clarke's book, Rendezvous with Rama, and I. The whole well, series. The series. The, yeah, the, just that one. Mm-hmm. But there are four. So my fantasy of commanding the starship is commanding Endeavor, which is the ship used to rendezvous with this craft that's moving towards, into, has in, entered our solar system. Mm-hmm. It was an alien thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, okay. So you're dreaming yourself into science fiction roles. Yeah. Well, that's what a good actor would do, because you yeah. see roles, and say, hey, I could do that, or I could be... Oh, wow. Absolutely. Wow. So is this a pitch to be, like... That person, if they ever make that movie? Well, we're going to make that movie. You are going to make the movie? Yeah. How, well, that's gonna, what you I'm mean. Excuse me. You said, you, excuse me. You said you had access to it. I have to, like, well, excuse me. We, that meant you bought the rights yeah, to the book. Uh, yeah. Didn't that be make coy? No, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> okay. Access to it is code for, code for you bought the I rights. bought the rights. Because you want to be that commander on that ship. I have, since I read that book somewhere back in the 60s, I always saw it as a movie. And since you bought the rights to the book, you can be whatever damn actor in that story you want to be. I want to be, right, right. So the other thing that has happened is I've, I've got this producing partner who's very enabling. So I'm, I've been enabled. That's a good kind of partner to have. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I'll, we'll look for that. Okay. Okay. Make that come out sooner rather than later. Well, the only task you have that's really, really hard in making movies, harder than getting money, is getting a script. A good script. A good script. Yeah, because um, movies rise and fall on that. I absolutely. mean, gosh. Absolutely. And I think we've gotten mature enough in our special effects to now no longer have the special effects save a movie. The story's got to be something. The story's got to be it's there. It's got to work. got to have the story. It's yeah. got to work. When Star Talk Radio continues, we'll have more of my conversation with the award-winning actor, Morgan Freeman. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. In this episode of Star Talk, we're featuring a conversation with the award-winning actor and smooth-as-butter voice, Morgan Freeman. In this last part of our interview, we talked at length about space exploration and the possibility of alien life. I got an email from one of our friends at either NASA or JPL. They invited me to come and watch the landing of the next Mars probe. There's nothing more thrilling than the launch of any space probe and their landing. These are the yeah. two critical points, of course, because yeah. there it is months and months en route, right. and there's all this anticipation, and they're waiting for the first signal. They're waiting for it to call home. Yeah. When you get that signal, people pop the champagne corks. Then you're on another, another planet. Another part of my amazement is that everything in this universe is moving. It's not standing still. So when you shoot at something, that's a lot of calculations you have. To that's do. an underappreciated fact, and I'm glad you brought that up because you're launching a spaceship from a moving Sorry, platform, platform, Earth, to another moving platform, and you have to aim it for not where the target is, the, but where it, for where it will be when it gets there. Nine months in <laughs> terms of a Mars shoot. Nine months. Wow. Okay, no, but not everybody appreciates that. I'm glad you appreciate, I appreciate that. It. The other thing is that incredible thing is that Voyager is now outside the solar system. You got it. It has crossed over That's out of the influence of the sun and has entered interstellar space. Voyager launched in the 1970s. And you might remember the Voyager spacecraft has a little plaque on the side and yep. some information yep. that, that an intelligent alien might decode and learn about us. Some people are kind of afraid of that prospect. Well, if, you, if you send yeah. your return address out. Yeah. Some well. people don't give out their email address. And <laughs> here we are giving <laughs> the re return address. <laughs> so you worried that the aliens come and suck our brains out? I'm with Clark. Arthur C. Clark. Yeah. I don't think the universe is populated with Northern Europeans. <laughs> you mean of the ilk that upon reaching a strange civilization... Destroy everything. Kill them all. Kill them all. Let God sort it out. Yeah. <laughs> so you think they're the kinder, gentler species. But even though you have no data to back that up, you're wishing that this is true. Well, why not wish that was it's true? Okay. If you're going to go there, just do it another way. So we're not terrified if something does show up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so these aliens. Oh God! Bang! <laughs> so, now, now ask a question. <laughs> right. So you want like 1960s peaceniks to, to be the aliens? Right? See, now you, you, I don't think you're being kind. You saw Close Encounters of the Third. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. Now, did you walk out of that movie looking up? 
I did. I drove out to a space where there was no light. I want to be abducted. So, I want them to come find me. Yeah. Every time I'm alone out on this guy, I say, come on, bring come on. it on. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if you're there, I'll go. You'll go. I'll go. So, so that, that makes you feel safer in a universe where you just might get a visitation. Let's go back to Von Donegan for a minute. Eric Von Donegan, Eric, right. Yeah. So he went around the world, found these ancient artifacts and structures, and he couldn't explain it. And he didn't think anyone back then could have figured out how to do it. So he figured intelligent aliens from another planet came to Earth and directed them. Yes, that's what he thinks. Yes. And he also thinks that there are depictions among some of the sculptures and drawings in ancient societies that depict these space people, because some of these drawings have figures with helmets on them. Space helmets, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Now, this is an idea that if there are visitations, they are benign. So you invoke that as evidence. <laughs> well, it's it, okay. It's, it's a thought. Not, not an evidence that there are benign aliens out there, but that we can think of them as benign. We can think of them. Okay. Now, here's the thing. It was the Northern Europeans who embraced the Industrial Revolution, giving them the power to cross the oceans yeah. and the weaponry to yeah, slaughter but they people. they weren't the only ones that crossed the oceans. Well, they, they did it with verve. Okay, so here's my point. If the alien civilization... The one that is is across the ocean of space, the ones who are into conquering are more likely to be the ones to have the spaceships. So maybe there's a selection effect. There's a bias in terms of who's going to come here first. It's going to be the conquerors. Okay, let's turn it around. The peaceniks are still there saying kumbaya around a campfire. Let's, Let's turn it around here. What if we are the ones who are managed to get out there to another world first? What if it's us who do it? Are we going to go with guns and... Guns drawn? drawn? I, I, I don't know. If we find some materials that we say, oh my God, you know what this stuff is worth? Oh, you mean, yeah, yeah, natural resources, right. Are we going to do what the we, Northern we, Europeans did before? We've seen that playbook oh. multiple times. Manifest destiny. That's our oil, not yours. That's our gold, not yours. So the difference here would be the humans would be the invaders. If we did it that way. No, if, the question is... How would they view us landing on wait. their peaceful planet? We would have to get there and find out. You First you go... Oh, <laughs> so you're giving the Spock symbol with the Vulcan, Peace. live long and prosper. Yeah, live long and prosper. You know, we're not here to cause... But that could mean... But what you don't know is whether that Vulcan, live long and prosper signal could mean, like, F you, aliens. <laughs> you don't know what the cross-cultural meaning of that hand gesture but, is. But we know that there is a universal sign that means I am unarmed. And what is that? Open hands. I hope universally that's what that I'm means. Strapped with a bomb, but <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah, no, that's just for protection. That's just in case. Just in case. As they say in the military, trust but verify. Right. Trust but verify. <laughs> How do you feel about yeah. NASA? Yeah. Where, where do you yeah. want it to go? If you're going to write a letter, dear Mr. President, dear Mr. President, dear world, cut the defense budget to the bone. Take that money. And give most of it to NASA. Ooh. What is it that has ever improved the human condition? Exploration. And what have we got now? We ain't got Jack. No, no. We have the universe. We have our own universe right here in the solar system. There are things that we need to know about it. There are things we could be out there doing. They would say, well, it's meaningless to send a human 
to Mars. It's just too much involved in trying to keep humans alive on Mars. Okay, fine. Don't send humans. Build robots. But send them. Keep the frontier moving. Keep it moving. That's the end of my interview with the award-winning actor Morgan Freeman. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio, partially funded by the National Science Foundation. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, and as always, until next time, keep looking up. <laughs>